Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, hello, Sharon, and welcome to the show. Oh, it's so good to be here. I just wish we were in the studio together. Yeah, you know, but you know, this is the next best thing. I don't mind this as much. No, it's not too bad. And since we've got such a great guest on with us today, we have an and amazing she couldn't guest. have come to Winston-Salem. Yeah, well, we have an amazing guest. Well, I'll let you intro our guest today. Oh, I get the pleasure. You do. I must be living right. You are. Well, it is my pleasure to introduce Renee Elmers, and she is a nurse, and she's running for Congress, and she served in Congress before. So, Renee, I'll just go ahead and kick it off to you and let you tell us about the time that you served in Congress, and just go for it. Right. Well, oh, Sharon, thank you for having me. Um, you know, we've gotten to know each other over the last couple of weeks, and, and it's really been a pleasure uh, to speak to another nurse um, who cares so much about individuals and families um, that are in need of health care and all of the um, obstacles that are in, in the way right now for providing that. And that is one of my main reasons for running for Congress again. Um, I've, I've been a, a nurse for years. Um, I started off in surgical intensive care um, and, and I've, I've, I've even worked in my husband's office. My husband is a general surgeon. And, um, you know, we've provided health care here in North Carolina for so many, for many, many years. And over the years, we've seen, um, again, those obstacles that are in the way. And unfortunately, one of them, one of the main obstacles is the government um, and all of the overregulations uh, that we have to deal with. And, you know, here in North Carolina, especially living in, in um, somewhat of a rural area, I see the healthcare disparities that exist and the fact that access to care is, is really prominent. And I really feel strongly about doing something. 
on that level. And that is one of the reasons that I'm running for Congress again. I was in Congress uh, for six years was there from 2011 to 2017. And what motivated me to run for office then was when President Obama uh, was president and he was moving forward on his health care um, initiatives, which I did not agree with. Um, I look at this as a, a market issue and um, really a provider issue and an access to care issue, not a government run solution. Um, as we all know, when the government gets involved with something, many times it doesn't go well. So I, I wanted to go there and fight for North Carolinians um, on that level, spending six years there. I also um, spent two years um, at Health and Human Services. So I learned a great deal uh, there on, on provider issues and access to care issues. So now um, after, after spending two years uh, taking care of patients uh, with COVID, some of them um, starting off as with veterans at a veterans nursing home um, in long-term care. You know, I really got to see what COVID was doing, not just on the grand scale, but on the very personal scale, especially with our veterans. And I, I just feel very strongly that we need some good, strong voices in Washington, especially nurses that have been there on the ground, on the front lines, taking care of patients and families who really can speak to the system that exists now and move forward with good regulations and legislation that can really move our country in the right direction when it comes to health care. Wow. You said a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you pretty much summed up almost everything I was going to say, Renee. But, uh, you know, why, I mean, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but why, why do nurses make good elected officials, in your opinion? Well, I'll tell you, you know, when I think of, of nursing practice, what do we do every day? We apply the, the, the nursing process. You know, we observe, we assess we plan, we implement. And you know what else? We go back and we follow up to make sure that what we're actually doing is effective. Right. And unfortunately, many times in Washington, that's not what happens. We move forward on something and then we never really go back to look to see whether or not it's working until we, we, always, we, all, we end up in a situation where we, we see a problem. I think that we need to use more of that uh, process. You know, nurses listen. We listen to what is being said and we listen to what is not being said. And I think that's one of the things that, that nurses really bring to the table and, and why nurses make such good elected officials, because we really are engaged. It's not just talk, talk, talk. It's really listening, assessing, problem solving. So you talked about a problem with access to care in this country. So I'm assuming that means allowing advanced practice nurses to practice to the top of their license. You know, CRNAs, we've been battling for years at the federal mm -hmm. level um, to give us full practice authority within the VA. You and I have talked about that. Mm -hmm. When you get to Congress again, will that be an important issue to you? Absolutely. You know, this is one of the issues that even um, when I was there um, previously, you know, I had so many discussions and we were trying so hard to move forward to advance, advance practice nurses in the, in the way that we needed to. Unfortunately, as you know, in Washington, 
it can be very difficult because the the larger groups, um, the some of the lobbying organizations that don't necessarily see us as as the drivers of healthcare, um, you know, they they get a lot of the attention. And that, again, is one of the reasons that that I feel so strongly that we need to get more nurses to Washington. But advanced practice nursing is is really one of my solutions to the access to care issues that exist. You know, I've, I've listened to the groups, I've listened to the physician groups, I've listened to the hospital systems, and everyone says they acknowledge that there's an access to care pro- issue and that it's a problem, but no one really seems to put forward the solutions. But advanced practice nurses are there every day on the ground going to work and solving the problems. We just need more. And in order to to have more, we've got to make it attractive. We've got to be comparable in in reimbursement. And I really feel very strongly that this will be one of these that I will be fighting very, very hard for. You know, Renee, um, one of the issues we hear all the time from the other side or the, you know, in this scenario, when we're talking about CRNAs in general, is the anesthesiologists say that they have a better quality of care. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's always their, their mantra. You know, we're better educated. Um, you know, we've got more clinical hours. Um, our outcomes are better. And, you know, we just had, uh, you know, something here in North Carolina where we had that same issue happen. What is your take on that? I mean, obviously, me being the money guy, you know, I know what this boils down to. It boils down to the dollar. You know, you've got a Mm -hmm. huge slice of GDP, almost 20% composed in the healthcare sector. And exactly. a lot of people have made a lot of money off of healthcare, and nobody wants to take that golden goose away. And when you start to kind of pull that away, people get angry and start fighting, and then they say things that, in my opinion, are untrue. So I'd love your take on that. You know, when, when I listen to um, some of the other groups talking about this particular issue, um, who, who aren't necessarily in favor of um, parity or comparable reimbursement for advanced practice nurses, those are some of the things that are that are discussed. They say, well, you know, the quality of care is not the same and we have, a you know, more extensive um, education. And although those things are very, very true, the nurses are there with the patients every moment. They're the ones who are usually, you know, at, at the bedside, implementing, giving the medications and monitoring the patients and really doing those those assessments. I don't think that that needs to be part of the conversation. Honestly, I think there is so much that we can be doing if we really look at this again as an access to care issue rather than, you know, that that pie is only so big and if and if you get a little bit bigger piece of the pie that means my piece is going to get smaller. There is more than enough to go around. If we really are doing what we need to do in this country with healthcare and really uh, providing um, the, the the nursing services, the the physicians working doing what they need to do everyone wins. It's a win-win situation, not only for the practitioners, but for our patients, for our families in North Carolina. Everyone wins with this situation. There is more than enough to go around. No one is going to be boxed out of this. And I think, again, if we're talking about quality of care, we're actually talking about improving quality of care by moving forward and, and allowing advanced practice nurses to really be able to um, be reimbursed at the level that they really deserve to be reimbursed. 
you know, you talked about access to care and what was interesting during COVID, Trump lifted all restrictions Mm -hmm. and we've not seen uh, just a slew of deaths all across the country because APRNs were allowed to practice to their fullest extent. So what would you have to say about that? Well, I think that I think that's a great example. And, you know, as as bad as COVID was, I think we really have some things that we're taking away um, from it that we have learned. And that is one of them. That's a prime example of how nurses came to the forefront and really, you know, took on the initiatives. I, I know for me, I was there every day. You know, I worked over 35 days straight, 12 hour shifts in PPE all day long. Um, and two of us, um, midnight um, took the twelve-hour midnight shift. I took the day twelve-hour um, shift. You know, there there wasn't anybody else there to do the job. The nurses are the ones who are on the front lines, not not afraid to do what needs to be done and doing a great job. We can't fear this, and I think that's one of the things that I see with some of the groups that that seem to be standing in the way of advanced practice nurses really moving forward. Is is it, it, it it's that fear factor that's implemented. Right now, we have a problem with access to care. We need to solve the problem. Again, when I was there six, you know, six years ago, I was having this conversation. I haven't seen anything change since, which tells me that everyone is complacent in this outside of the advanced practice nurses, and that those same arguments and those same discussions are being had today that were being taking place six years ago. That means things aren't moving forward. And again, if, if we can do anything, we can take, you know, we can take some positives away from COVID on, on, from a learning uh, perspective. And that is definitely one of them. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, me learning from doing this podcast is we're still having the same discussions we had 20 years ago, Renee. I mean, these are the same fights that, you know, the people that came before you were fighting and we're still fighting them. And obviously in Washington, things typically move slowly and you know, that's just politics in general. Um, But, you know, I just kind of want to extrapolate a little bit more on that. I mean, you know, yes, I think access to care, one thing we could do is obviously have more APRNs work up to their scope. But is there anything else that you see out there that needs to be done, Renee, to kind of get this thing moving back on the right track? Oh, absolutely. You know, when um, even again, talking about issues and, and dealing with things that, that are that still exist when you know when I was there six years ago. You know, um, one of the things that I fought very hard for and still continue to believe is one of the solutions is really just when it comes to the system itself that exists in the insurance industry, for instance. You know, we hear about folks not being able to um, afford health insurance I don't believe that a government-run um, health insurance system is, is the way to go. I don't believe in, in a Medicare for all or universal health care paid for by the federal government. I do believe that private insurance should be available to, to everyone. And I believe very strongly that insurance should be able to be purchased across state lines. State has the, um, the, the group of insurance plans that you can pick from, which basically creates a monopoly. And, and because of that, that help, that keeps those costs high. 
And so if, if we had a, a system that, that was, was a, a greater reach, for instance, if individuals, if families, moms and dads were able to sit down at the table and choose from a healthcare plan that, that may be somewhere else, you know, in, in the region maybe, but more affordable and appropriate for them, that would be a solution to bringing down those costs and, and help to create that more availability so that families have that coverage. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com or call him at 504-394-6557. So let's go back to nurses serving in Congress. And there are only three right now. There's never been a nurse to serve in the Senate but I understand that there is one that's currently running for the Senate in Missouri, and she is the heiress to the Bush fortune, <laughs> which I know wow. I was doing a little bit of research about that today. And there seems to be one nurse in Florida who's running in a nurse for the House Congress and one in Virginia. But that is so very you and they're mm -hmm. hard to find. So I'm hoping you will find some allies whenever you get to Washington again. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and I think, too, this is this is one of the things that I've seen um, having been in Washington and, you know, run for office. Once you can start building that coalition of support, it continues, but there has to be someone there to really move it forward. And I'm happy to be that one. <laughs> happy to be the one to, to, to be able to say, come on, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, let's get together. Let's work on these issues. Maybe, you know, let's bring a perspective to the table that maybe hasn't you know, been discussed yet, especially with so few nurses being there. You know, I, I do think um, and, you know, on the uh, from the political aspect, I think sometimes um, if you're if you're a Republican or versus a Democrat, you do see some of the health care issues a little differently. And so I think that can be an option. And so I would like to see some good conservative nurses elected so that we can really help to bolster, you know, the discussion of why it's so important in this country to make uh, health care more affordable, can maintain that good quality of care and just really improve the accessibility. Renee, why do you think first more nurses don't run and, and haven't been elected? I mean, this is amazing to me. When we're talking about, I think there's like 4 million nurses in the U.S. or something. You know, is it a, a lack of awareness? Is it, you know, they're busy doing other things and they've just not been taught how to be involved in politics? I mean, what do you think it is? Well, I've actually had this discussion um, many times with many nurses. Because what, what's interesting uh, is there's a lot of nurses who have thought about this, but they're just not sure how to get started. They don't really know 
you know, where, how do, how do you transition from being a nurse um, into running for political office? And so I, you know, I, I point out to, to nurses, we deal with politics every day. When I worked in the hospital, for instance, there's politics in every hospital right. at every level. You know, there are politics in our communities. If, if you know, if you're serving um, in, a, in a charitable organization, there's politics there too. So once you kind of point out to folks that, that really politics exists in, in every aspect of our lives, it becomes a little bit easier uh, for nurses to understand. Um, and I just, you know, you know how nurses are. We have that helping heart. And, and many nurses, you know, just love that bedside um, care that they give and taking care of patients. And, and they don't necessarily see making that transition. But I will tell you, I have had this conversation many, many times. And I have explained that because we are nurses and because we use a nursing process, not only is it possible for nurses to run for office and be very successful, but once they get there, you're very good at what you do. Well, also what I hear you saying is that since you've been there before, when you get there this time, you can hit the ground running. Absolutely. You know, because I was there already, um, I, I know on the day I'm sworn in, I can go right to work. I don't have to go through that learning curve that many of the other freshmen will have to go through. And actually, one of the things that I look forward to doing is actually being a mentor for the other freshmen. Um, again, that nursing heart, that teacher in me will want to help them understand this is what what you're going to be experiencing. A lot of folks are going to be telling you a lot of things. You need to trust your gut and, and really just stay, stay grounded uh, because a lot of folks are going to be treating you in a way as that, that you've never been treated before. And you need to be, you need to be solidly grounded um, in all of your decisions moving forward. I'd like to be that person to be able to help them to, to, to kind of see that aspect. Renee, that's interesting you say that. What what was something that, that stuck out to you as a freshman that kind of took you back and like, whoa, I'm in a different world now? You know, once you get to Washington, it is a different world. Uh, Washington is, I know you've probably heard this term many times. It's like a bubble. It, yeah. it It's like its own little world. And it and it's its own little, you know, I I compare it to a, a corporate moving parts. And, you know, everybody has a, a role to play. But I think one of the things that I that I learned pretty quickly is that, you know, when you're a new face in Washington, everyone wants to get your ear because they want you to to see things and hear things, you know, that, that is important to them. And they want to, you know, uh, gain your support. Um, they're, again, talking about the politics, even um, after getting elected. You, you deal with a lot of inside baseball politics within your own conference, for instance. So, you know, one of the things that I, that I learned very quickly um, was that you become everybody's best friend. And they just want, you know, they just, you're just the, the greatest thing that ever walked and you're a rock star. Um, but, you know, later when, when, the, when the going gets tough and, and maybe things don't look so good, you know, you're kind of left out. Definitely, you've got to have a strong personality. You cannot have an ego. And, you know, you, you just have to really take it day by day and, and really see it for what it is. And don't allow yourself to buy into the hype. Let's talk a little bit about the poor nurse 
in Tennessee who recently was convicted after um, medical error. So I'm not too sure that a physician has ever been convicted in that same manner. And why don't you talk to us about your feelings about that and what you might would do when you get back to Congress? Well, yeah, I'm very concerned about this issue. Um, I learned about it recently. And, you know, first and foremost, you know, as as you are aware, um, there was a family who lost um, their their loved one in a mistake that was made in a hospital. Um, And, you know, certainly the nurse um, that was involved, you know, she owned it. I mean, you know, this was this was something that happened. I am very concerned about it because I think that there are there there just seem to be um, accountability that wasn't taken on the part of the hospital. Um, I'm concerned um, that that she was actually um, convicted of reckless homicide. I believe there were two um, two convictions. And um, this was something that happened in 2017. And, And having been a nurse. Um, and knowing that medical errors, medical medication errors happen, you know, there's a process um, that that all of us have to follow. Physicians, um, you know, nurses it, alike. I would like to know where was the responsibility and accountability on the part of the hospital. I'd like to know what the situation was with staffing that particular day. As as you know, um, you know, staffing issues affect us every single day when it comes to nursing. Typically, short staffing um, is what I'm talking about. So I think that there were a lot of issues that played into this. And you know, again, someone lost their life, a family lost their loved one, but there needs to the process needs to be reviewed. And I would like to. Um, take that opportunity at the federal level and really go down the line and make sure that that there are processes in place that everyone can follow. Um, you know, let's face it, medical mistakes happen. This isn't new, um, but one individual should not have to feel the brunt of, 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 of what happened. And I just think that, that we need to look at this as a whole and, and understand what the, what the hospital, what the hospital's accountability really needs to be. Renee, you know, all of us weren't in that courtroom and obviously we don't know every single fact there, but I think we can all sympathize with her because of Sharon's point earlier, you know, if this had been a physician, would this have gone down this way? How do you think nurses all across the country can help um, this particular nurse in this situation? Well, I think um, I think as nurses, you know, certainly the, the one I'm very concerned about this because I don't want this to be the driving forces uh, for for individuals who are thinking about going into nursing because certainly we need more nurses. I don't want nurses to to stop doing what they're doing or or young people who are looking at nursing as, as a potential career, seeing something like this and letting it be uh, the 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 force that drives them away to some, to some other career path. Um, I, I'm very concerned about that. But nurses across this country, one, we need to make sure that they're aware of this situation. Um, it could be them the next time. It could be any right. one of us um, in nursing practice. And we've got to be speaking out. 
we have to be more organized and we have to be reaching out to the groups um, that, that support and help nurses, especially when it comes to Washington, D.C. And the, and the organized groups. This is, this is an awareness issue. And, and I really feel strongly that, that nurses need to be making their voices heard on this issue because it could be any one of us next time. And, and, it's, and it's, very, it's very concerning to me. Renee, do you feel like that it's because nurses are not at the table? Nurses probably weren't at the table um, at the, the particular hospital, which was Vanderbilt. Nurses are not at the table a lot of times in the legislature. They're not at the table in Congress. There's 18 physicians that serve in Congress right now mm-hmm. and three nurses. Mm-hmm. Hopefully there's going to be four nurses and plus <laughs> coming up. Well, I, I will say that is definitely part of it uh, because, you know, you can't voice your position if you are not there. Right. And, you know, and there you pointed out that there are 18 physicians that are there. I know when I served, um, there were a number of physicians that, that that I served with and they do see things differently. You know, we see we see the root cause of the problem. And and I do believe that if, if more nurses are at the table, whether it is in the hospital setting or whether it is in, you know, in Washington, we can be making de- better decisions because we're bringing up issues that the others don't even see or recognize as an issue. So uh, that is one that is one solution uh, uh, to the issue. But I will also add that when it comes to issues like this for hospitals, you know they have the resources to lawyer up, mm-hmm. and you know we're talking about legal battles, we're talking about risk management. So many of these decisions get made at that level, I believe, before there's even any discussion in the boardroom. And, you know, um, that can be the driving force here as well. Well, I just think this sets a really bad precedent from what I've read about it. I mean, medical errors are, are they're generally handled by professional licensing boards or even civil courts to go after someone criminally. Um, it's very, very rare. I mean, um, so, and you're right. I mean, does it affect nurses? You know, my, my oldest daughter is in nursing school right now, you know, and and it's on her mind, you know, Hey, you know, I mean, she wants to be a CRNA, but still those are things that every nurse across this country are going to have in the back of their mind now. Um, and and again, I think that sets a a really bad precedent, but I, I don't know if you've got anything else on that. I've, but in my mind, that's that's sort of the way I view it. I am concerned about the precedent that's being set here, because now that we have this situation, this particular case um, moving forward, where a nurse is being um, convicted of reckless homicide, the next time a situation like this occurs, that path can be taken again because it's it's already occurred. So, you know, we we have to be very very careful about this. And I'm hoping that this isn't the end of this situation. I, I just, it, it, it's hard for me to understand how um, this particular path was chosen um, to charge this nurse with, with homicide. Um, my understanding, it was a jury, a jury trial. And I think too, when we're talking about cases that um, are medical in nature, it's very, very, very difficult for 
lay people to understand, you know, the, the, the ins and outs, the, you know, all of the, all of the very high um, level technical issues and, and, and really be able to make a decision. So I, I hope that this isn't the last we've heard of this particular case. Um, and, and again, I am concerned. And I think that nurses across this country should be concerned. And, and you know, let's all work together to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Let's make sure that medical errors are, are kept at a minimum. Let's, let's make sure that we have a process in place where we're really looking at this from an honest perspective and understanding that medical errors happen. But there are ways that we can improve the system to avoid them at all costs. Well, what I'm hearing you say is, At the end of the day, we need more influential nurses in key positions. Now, you know, Sharon Pierce might say something about this particular incident, but somebody who's in Congress, when they say something, you've got a bigger audience um, that you can use as a megaphone to get this message out. So we need to help nurses get into Congress, and that includes you. How can nurses across this country help you? I know you're running from North Carolina, but it's important for all nurses in this country to have your voice in Congress. What can nurses do to help you, Renee? I would greatly appreciate the help of nurses across this country. Um, I really want to go to Washington to solve the problems that are there. I'm a problem solver. I am a fixer. That's my heart. I have a nursing heart. And I know that nurses across this country need better representation. I would like to be one of those. And if, if nurses who are listening to your podcast today can just make a small contribution, just a small contribution to my campaign. Uh, my website is ReneeElmers.com, and Elmers does have two L's, um, so it's ReneeElmers.com, and you can, you know, give a donation. Um, that that is the way that the campaigns are best run. That's the way that I can get my message out. I think I have a great message, but if you don't have the funds to get it out, it, if people don't hear you it doesn't really matter in the end. So if, if, if your listeners can help out with a contribution to my campaign, that is really the biggest help. And I promise you, nursing issues are going to be at the forefront of my platform while in Washington. And in addition, I would think that if they would push it out on their social media sites and talk about Renee Elmer's, a voice for nursing in Washington would be helpful. I know I have a few thousand friends on Facebook. (laughs) I think that might. Yeah, that actually, you know, social media, you know, um, social media is such a driving force um, for, for really, really, you know, getting those ghost things out there, you know, Back when I ran before, you know, we weren't very good at social media and I have become much more active and I would truly appreciate any voice on social media regarding these issues. Because again, we've got to fight this fight together. And, you know, there's just power in numbers. And if we stick together as nurses, we can make some significant changes. 
Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Absolutely. Well, Renee, as we wrap up, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, do you have any tips or recommendations maybe for nurses out there who might want to get involved in politics and don't know where to get started or what they need to do next or even what they can do? I mean, obviously, giving to folks like you are going to represent their interests in Washington is is a great way to do it. But are there other things they can do at this point? Well, you know, interestingly enough, when um, again, when I when I ran uh, back in 2010, I had no political background. I mean, I, you know, I, I was not a politician. I, you know, we were we were just healthcare providers. We got involved with our local um, political party. And, you know, our um, I live in Harnett County, North Carolina, and I got involved with the Harnett County Republican Party. And I realized that there are so many concerned about these issues. And it's amazing how just making those connections really helps, because I will say this, politics, whether it's at the local level, the state level, the federal level, you make it into Washington, it's all about relationships. So it's about relationship building and you learn from those relationships. So I would encourage any nurse who is out there who wants to get involved and it doesn't have, you know, you don't have to make the, the, the decision like I did to be in at the, at the federal level. You know, we need nurses at every level. We need good, strong, solid nurses with voices at, in the, on the boards of education, um, at, in local politics, city councils, state legislatures, you know, that's the way we are really going to make a difference is if it's across the board in every aspect and really making those good, positive, solid decisions that really solve the problems. Very well said. Sharon, do you want to do the lightning round with Renee? Oh, you know, I would love to do the (laughs) lightning round. It's my favorite part. If you could choose another profession, what would it be? I think that if I could choose another profession, it would definitely be something where I dealt with people. So I think, I think a teacher, I think um, being a teacher um, would, would probably have been my second choice. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you know, I mean, nurses are somewhat teachers at heart as well, right? So that, that yeah, would make, we do a lot of teaching. <laughs> do a lot of teaching. Do a lot of teaching. All right. If you could have dinner with someone alive or dead, who would it be? This probably sounds cliche, but I would say Jesus. I just, you know, um, that Jesus, it, my faith is the center of my life. And um, I would I would just love to be able to ask some questions um, and and really just, again, listen but wow, I mean, I, you know, after having dinner with Jesus, what else would you want to do? <laughs> it all goes downhill from there, right? <laughs> if, all right. If you could have witnessed one event in history, what would it be? I think if, if literally if, if I could witness an event in history, it would be the founding of our country. And um, to know some of those individuals who were the fighters that didn't give up and really just watch that whole process um, from from really, the, you know, the, the infancy 
to, you know, what we have today in, in the freedoms that we have, because I think the beginnings of our country is just the most miraculous um, event that, that has taken place on, you know, from, from that uh, type of perspective. And I do believe that, that our um, country leaders were, were blessed. I believe they were, you know, inspired you know, in a divine manner. And I think that um, if, if I could just watch those events firsthand, that would have been pretty cool. Renee, what is your superpower? My superpower is, is really listening and um, just really being able to hear what someone is saying. And, and again, as, as I said earlier, nurses listen to what is being said and what is not being said. And sometimes um, when you're in the process of listening, that should inspire questions. Um, and I think sometimes that nurses are so good at what they do is because they're able to get to the root cause of, of issues and problems. And I think just there's just more listening that needs to go on in this country. Um, you, you do a lot of talking, but um, listening is, is kind of a forgotten art. Yes. You're exactly right. You know, the three of us here are type A personalities. Um, and But, you know, what I notice about all three of us is that there's always give and take. You know, you hate to see that one side who just continues to take and take and take and never give. And, um, you know, that comes across very well with you, Renee. So I pick up on that, too. Well, listen, we want to thank you for being on the show with us today. I know that you and Sharon had a relationship, but it was very nice to meet you today. We wish you all the luck with your run. I don't think you're going to need it. I think you're going to do great. I can just tell. Um, and we want to thank you for what you're doing in the community, not only for nurses and APRNs out there, but because you're a true belief in this country and you believe in this country and the direction that we're going can be positive moving forward. And that's hard to find out there with a lot of people right now. Well, thank you. I appreciate you uh, making those comments. And it, is, it, is, it has been great. It has been an honor to be on this uh, podcast with you today um, and talking about the issues that really, you know, they, they just, it's what makes me tick. And, um, and I just, I'm, my heart is warmed uh, to know that there are others out there who, who really care about these issues as, as passionately as I do. So thank you for the opportunity. All right, Sharon. Well, I'm going to say that's a wrap. I think so. Before we close here, I just want to remind folks, if you'd like to help Renee, go to Renee Elmers, elmerswith2l.com, and you can give to her campaign that way. And Sharon, if they want to help us and help our show grow, how can they best do that? They can leave us a review, but make it positive. We know there's enough negativity in this world. Absolutely. Share the podcast on social media. Tell your friends and help us go up. We're in the top 50 medical podcast in the country right now, but Jeremy wants us to be number, number, one. number one. Of course. So help us do that. All right. Until next time. It's a wrap. As a CRNA, you spend years preparing yourself for this career, so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn. 
the best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.